we're continuing our series called Weird Things from the Bible. Uh, we're taking a little break. I normally do verse-by-verse verse preaching. I'll be preaching verse-by-verse verse today, but just out of a particular passage. We just finished a marathon series in the book of Romans, and now it's our second week in Weird Stories from the Bible. And last week, we learned about Abraham and his wife-slash-sister. If you think that sounds weird, that's why it's in the series, Weird Stories from the Bible. And this week, we're going to learn about a famous weird story from the book of Numbers. First, we need to know a little bit about what is going on in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers picks up right after the Israelites were set free from Egyptian bondage, and they exited the land of Egypt and headed off for the promised land. We call that event the Exodus. That's why we have the book of Exodus. However, because the people of Israel sinned against God and they didn't trust God, they had to wander in the desert for 40 years in the wilderness before they were to enter the promised land. The book of Numbers describes a lot of that wandering time in the wilderness. Towards the end of the book, the people of God are getting closer to the promised land. And they begin to have battles with those who are already in the land. And they start winning a lot of those battles. I want to show you on a map kind of what happens. Some of you love maps, some of you don't care. Bear with me if you don't care. There it is. The yellow <laughs> section is the land of Egypt. That's where the exodus happened. That's where the people of Israel left Egypt and by God's great power. That's what the book of Exodus is all about. The red circle is near Mount Sinai, where God miraculously spoke to Moses and did many wonders there. The uh, blue area is what we call Kadesh Barnea, and that's where the people of Israel settled for some time, but not finally. And then the purplish circle brings us to where we are today, and that is where a lot of these battles happen. That is just east of modern-day Israel near Jordan and Syria, modern-day Jordan and Syria. So that's kind of where we are today is in the purple circle. Some things happened just before the events we're going to talk about today. As they neared the Promised Land, the Israelites got into all these battles, and they began to win these battles. And just before chapter 22, the people of Israel defeated the king of Arad, they defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, and they defeated King Og of Bashan. How would you like to have that name? Og, O-G. So they defeated these kings. And now, in today's passage, we hear about King Balak, King Balak of Moab. And he is rightly concerned that the people of Israel might defeat him and the people of Moab. And he wants to conquer them. Instead, so King Balak goes and hires a seer by the name of Balaam. Balaam. Now, some of you know the story now. Balaam was a seer. You might say, well, what's a seer? A seer is sort of like a prophet and a magician mixed together. Okay, they were supposed to see supernatural things. And Balak asked Balaam to curse the people of Israel so that Balak can defeat them. He actually asked Balaam to do this more than one time, and he offers him a great sum of money to accomplish this. But Balaam, even though he is not an Israelite, he is not one of God's servants, he is not a godly prophet, 
even though all that is true, he is still smart enough to know that he can only do what God, the God of Israel, tells him to do. So finally, after some time, the Lord does tell Balaam that he can go with the men from Moab. But he must be careful to only do what God says he can do. So, Balaam saddles his donkey and he goes with these men. And that brings us to today's sermon, which is entitled, The One Who Should See and the One Who Shouldn't Speak. If you know the story, you may get the title. The One Who Should See and the One Who Shouldn't Speak. So join me now in prayer before we look at this passage. And let's ask God to speak to us. God, we thank you that we can continue to worship you. We thank you for your word. We pray that as we study your word, you help us to see what it is you have for us to know from your word. Lord, we do declare that you and you only are our inheritance now and always. God, we ask that you help us to make you the first desire of our hearts. Help us to treasure you more than anything. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you as Lord and Savior in this room today. They may come to a knowledge of how you can take them from being a beggar being loyalty, how you can take them from being a slave to being free by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who sets us free from our sins and makes us new. Help us to learn from the story of Balaam in Numbers chapter 22. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at the passage together. It's a sort of a long passage. I'll read the entire thing, and then we'll talk about it. Numbers 22, skip down to verse 21. I'll give you a second. You have to turn the page there. 21. When he got up in the morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and went with the officials of Moab. But God was incensed that Balaam was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand on the path to oppose him. Balaam was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing on the path with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the path and went to the field. So Balaam hit her to return her to the path. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow passage between the vineyards with a stone wall on either side. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pressed herself against the wall, squeezing Balaam's foot against it. So he hit her once again. The angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn to the right or to the left. When, they, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she crouched down under Balaam, so he became furious and beat the donkey with a stick. And the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she asked Balaam, What have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You make me look like a fool. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you now. But the donkey said, Am I the donkey you've ridden all your life until today? Have I ever treated you this way before? No, he replied. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the path with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam knelt low and bowed in worship on his face. 
The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Look, I came out to oppose you, because I consider what you are doing to be evil. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away from me, I would have killed you by now and let her live. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the path to confront me. And now if it is evil in your sight, I will go back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with these men, but you are to say only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. All right, so we'll stop there for now. You can read the rest later if you like. The book of Numbers is pretty interesting. Most people think it's just about numbers. But it's not. There are some numbers in there. But there's a lot of good stories in there as well. True stories. But we're going to encounter some weird stuff. We have encountered some weird stuff in this passage. So let's talk some about it. First, if you take a note, write this. It was weird that Balaam didn't see. It was weird that Balaam didn't see. You might say, why is that weird? Think for a moment, if you can remember back to six minutes ago, what was Balaam's job? He was a seer. He was a seer. Balaam was supposed to be able to sense spiritual and supernatural realities that normal people couldn't sense, that normal people couldn't see. He was supposed to see the connection between the physical world and the spiritual world, then communicate that connection to other people who couldn't see. Balaam was the one who should see. However, Balaam couldn't even sense that the angel of the Lord was about to kill him. He couldn't even see that. Balaam not seeing is like a singer who couldn't sing. When he said, I've, I've seen those people before. <laughs> Balaam not being able to see is like a teacher who can't teach, or an author who can't write, or a chef who can't cook, or a mechanic who can't fix your car. Some of you say, Pastor, I can tell you one of each of those. <laughs> but the point is, that's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be, right? You're not happy when that happens. They're not much help if they can't do what they're supposed to do. So we see in verses 23, 25, and 27, we see who saw the angel of the Lord, and it was not Balaam. It was the donkey. The story is a little more interesting if you read the Old English version, but I'm not going to do that this morning. It was a donkey. And Balaam was supposed to see, but it was the donkey who saw. And it wasn't until the Lord graciously intervened in verse 31 that Balaam was finally able to see. Look in your Bibles again. Verse 31 says, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the path with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam knelt low and bowed in worship on his face. Once, once Balaam was finally able to see, he was wise enough to respond in worship on his face before the angel of the Lord. He knew that he needed to get his act together at this point, and so he finally did. Church, I, I think sometimes we're having the problems that we're having because we can't see what God is doing. Or sometimes we're having the problems that we're having, and in the midst of those problems, we can't see what the Lord is doing. Sometimes our spiritual eyes are so blind 
that a donkey is more likely to see what God is doing than we are. Balaam couldn't see because he wasn't in tune with what God was doing. He wasn't in tune with the spiritual realities that were surrounding him. In fact, if we go back to verse 22, you can see that it says God was incensed with Balaam. You know what that means? That means he was really mad. God was really angry with Balaam. Now, as I study for this sermon, there are many theories as to why God was angry with Balaam. But if you read the passage, it appears at first glance Balaam was only doing what God told him to do. God had already told him, you may go. So then it says, Balaam went. And then it says, the Lord was incensed. And then after the whole donkey episode, the Lord says, you may go again. It's like, what happened? I think it all came down to Balaam not being in tune with what God was doing. I think Balaam was, well, there's no way to prove this, but my theory is that Balaam was going with these people from Moab because he knew that it might be able to benefit him if he were able to do this. After all, he's getting paid a lot of money to do it. And so I think Balaam was maybe rushing it or doing it on his own, uh, in his own way. And the Lord is incensed because Balaam is not in tune with what God is doing. In any case, it's clear that Balaam was not seen. So much so that he almost had his head cut off by the angel of the Lord. It's weird that Balaam, a seer, didn't see what God was doing. Second, it's weird that the donkey spoke. Okay, let's just admit, let, that is weird. It is weird that the donkey spoke. That's probably the weirdest. Well, I think there's one verse that's a little more weird, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But it's very weird that the donkey spoke. Now, some of you know something about talking animals. Some of you may remember the famous horse from the 1960s. Mr. Ed. We have a picture of Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed with a talking horse head. I'm talking horse head. Some of you who may be a little younger than that may be familiar with the famous talking donkey who goes by the name Donkey from the Shrek movies. Okay? I know a little bit about both. I, 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 I'm old enough to remember reruns of Mr. Ed, and I'm young enough to be in touch with Donkey, but played by the boys of Eddie Murphy, by the way. I have some bad news for you. Mr. Ed and Donkey are not real animals. Uh, they don't really talk. Let's pretend. But this donkey was a real donkey. And this donkey really did speak. And you might say to me, Pastor Matt, donkeys don't speak. That's why it's weird. You see, this was an absolute miracle of the Lord. The scriptures tell us then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. It wasn't so the donkey could eat some grain. It was a miracle of God who intervened to cause the donkey to be able to speak. That's what verse 28 says. The Lord opened the donkey's mouth and she asked Balaam, Why, what have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? This, folks, this is weird. Animals are not supposed to talk. But the miracles of God are taking place. You might say, I'm just not sure that could actually happen. We're talking about God here, folks. 
You either believe the supernatural power of God or you don't. If you take all the supernatural miracles of God out of the Bible, you're not left with much. There's no benefit to us if the word of God is not true in that God can actually do miracles. If God can create the entire world out of nothing, if he can create woman from man, if he can part the Red Sea to lead the Israelites across, if he can rain down fire on Mount Carmel with the prophet Elijah, if he can cause a great fish to swallow a man and then vomit him up later, if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, if he can cause the deaf to hear and the blind to see, if he can speak with tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost and see thousands come to salvation, if he can save wretched sinners like you and like me, you better believe he can make a donkey speak. That's easy stuff for the Lord God to do. So don't take this story as some fable. This is the word of God. The miracle of God. Nevertheless, it's weird. It's weird. But nothing is impossible with God. It is weird, but it is miraculous. And God is working through this donkey. Now I said a minute ago, that's not the weirdest part. I think verse 29 is the weirdest part. Balaam answered the donkey. <laughs> that is weird to me. That is more weird than donkey speaking, is that Balaam just casually answered the donkey. This is crazy. Can you imagine an animal speaking to you and then you casually answer the animal as if you're talking to your friend? If an animal, if an animal spoke to me, I would freak out. I'm just telling you. If you're around and you see me freaking out, very possibly might be because I heard an animal speak. Now, we don't have any animals in my house. I have three boys, so it's wild enough already. I don't need any animals. But we do have an animal here at our church. Our church cat, Boots. Some of you know of our church cat. Now, just to be clear, we don't own Boots. We just can't get him to leave, okay? He's been here longer than I am. So if you say, why is that cat here? Your guess is as good as mine. It's probably because most of you feed it. That's probably why it's still here today. But anyways, sometimes I'll speak to Boots. I'll say, hey, what's up, Bootsy? I call him Bootsy. I've seen some of you speak to Boots. Some of you are very concerned about him. He's fat and happy, I promise you. But one thing I've never seen, I've never seen Boots speak back to anybody. I'm just going to tell you right now, if Boots spoke back to me, we'd have some problems. I would freak out. I would not casually answer him back. If he said to me, Pastor Matt, I've been meaning to tell you something. We really need to improve this church place. I don't have a comfortable bed. It gets kind of cold at night. I mean, I would freak out. I'd probably kick him across the sidewalk. You might say, well, that's mean, Pastor Matt. Well, it's a talking cat. <laughs> you know, it's like demon-possessed or something. No, there's something going on there. It's weird. It doesn't normally happen. But Balaam just casually said, well, here's what's going on, donkey. And it was at that point the Lord opened his eyes. It's weird that this donkey spoke to Balaam. It's weird that Balaam spoke to the donkey. However, even though this is weird, God was doing something. God was doing something in the midst of the weird. And that takes us to our third point. 
it was weird that God used the situation. And we talked about that last week as well with Abraham and Sarah. But it's weird that God used this. You might say, why is it weird? Maybe it's not weird to you. It's weird to me. Because sometimes we picture how God does things. We have everything in a nice neat little box. Or we have these rules that we think God should operate by. But actually, if, if you look at the scriptures, God usually works miraculously through crazy situations. I mean, think about this for a second. A Moabite king wanted to hire a seer named Balaam to curse God's people so that he, Balak, might be able to defeat them. However, instead of that happening, God used a donkey to reveal to the non-Israelite seer that he, God, was about to have him killed because he wasn't in tune with what God wanted to do and how God wanted to use him to bless the people of Israel rather than curse them. Spoiler alert, as the story goes, you can read on your own. It's not really a spoiler because the book of Numbers has been out for a long time. But Balaam was actually used by God to bless the people of Israel. You may remember he said to Balaam, I can't do anything except what God tells me to do. And God says, I want you to bless the people of Israel. And instead of being cursed, they were blessed. And they defeated, defeated Balaam and Moab. But this is, this is just a crazy story. Seers who can't see. Donkeys who shouldn't talk. And God blessing Israel instead of cursing them. As Balaam wanted Balaam to do. God had something in mind all along. And he was working out his will. And that takes us to our bottom line. Still a lot to cover. We're not quite done yet. But bottom line. God can use the weird to accomplish his will. God can use the weird to accomplish his will. In case you haven't learned this yet, let me help you. God is going to work out his will one way or the other. We, we are not going to stop that. He knows the end from the beginning, and nothing can stop his plan. The prophet Isaiah revealed this in chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember what happened long ago, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning, and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place, and I will do all my will. Some of you remember uh, the man Job. The oldest story in the Bible is about the man Job. And Job went through a lot. And here's what Job had to say after all that he had gone to. Job chapter, I believe, 42, verse 2 says, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. I love that word, thwarted. We don't use it very much. What he's saying is no plan of yours can be stopped or put to death. Nothing can stop what God plans. Job learned all that after all that he went through. He had all these questions. And the answer God gave to Job about all of his questions is, who are you to question me, Job? And Job said, I know that you can do anything no plan of yours can be thwarted. God can do anything that he wants to do. And he can do it any way he wants to do it. He can accomplish his will with a pagan seer and a donkey. 
He can accomplish his will with a man married to his sister, as we learned about last week. And he can accomplish his will in any way that he desires. So church, we must trust that God can accomplish his will, even by using the weird at times. So challenge yourself this week. There's a couple of weekly challenges I want to give you. Some things you can walk away with from this passage to actually do in your life this week. Weekly challenge number one. Ask yourself if you can see the Lord at work. Ask yourself if you can see the Lord at work. Take some time. Get along, perhaps with your Bible, maybe with your journal, maybe with a cup of coffee or something like that. And ask yourself if you can see the Lord at work. Balaam didn't see what the Lord was doing. Balaam nearly killed his faithful donkey. And he nearly lost his own life because of his spiritual blindness. But what about you? Can you see the Lord at work? Can you see how he is working in your life? Can you see how he is working in our church? Can you see how he is working in our world? Can you see what he wants to do that maybe is not being done? Can you see what's being done that maybe shouldn't be done? The truth is, church, he is working. God is always at work. Can we see? Now, to be clear, we don't know everything the Lord is doing. The Bible tells us the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But sometimes God's doing something really obvious. We can't see it. Because we're not seeing very well spiritually. You might say, well, what should I do if I don't, if I don't see? It's a good question. You might write a few things down. Weekly challenge 1-A-B-C perhaps. Here's some things you can do. 1-A. Read your Bible. These are, these are profound things I'm going to tell you here, okay? Read your Bible. If you can't see what the Lord is doing, read your Bible. Maybe you need to see what Lord, the Lord has done throughout all of human, human civilization to understand what he's doing now. Number two, pray and listen. The Bible is the primary way God speaks to us. Prayer is the primary way we speak to God. If you're not seeing, tell him you want to see. Perhaps you can sing a simple song we often sing. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Ask the Lord to help you see. Number three, weekly challenge 1-C, speak to a Christian friend with wisdom. Somebody who has wisdom. Somebody who you believe is in touch with the Lord. Who knows the word of God. Who is a person of prayer. To ask them to speak to you. Say here's, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I see. Can you help me? Is this, this sound right? Am I off? I'll do that from time to time. I'll speak to one of our people in our church. Who I love and I trust. And I know they love me. I'll say hey I'm thinking about this thing for our church. What do you think? Am I crazy? Sometimes they say I don't know if that would work pastor. And you never hear about these things, trust me. Okay, we'll, we'll go back to the drawing board on that. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm going through something with my family. And I'll ask someone else. Say, hey, how would you handle this with your family? I, don't, I can't sense what the Lord is showing me about this. 
But go to a trusted friend. Pray, read the Bible, go to a trusted friend. Weekly challenge number two, consider what God might be using to get you back on track. Consider what God may be using to get you back on track. Now, I know all of you are done with your notes here, and you're doing good, not making a bunch of rustling. That's good. You're not doing it this week. But here's what I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Pay attention to this. That donkey caused Balaam some pain and some embarrassment. He really did. He embarrassed Balaam in front of his servants. He caused him some pain when he smashed his foot against the wall. However, God used that pain and that embarrassment for Balaam's good and to accomplish his will, God's will. God used that. Some of you are going through some stuff right now. I would just say this. Most of us are going through some stuff right now. I can't count the number of times someone has spoken to me and said, Pastor, i got to tell you something. I'm sure I'm the only one who's ever told you something like this. And I'll say, try me. <laughs> try me, because I've heard a lot. And I go through a lot myself. <clears throat> so some of, you, some of us are going through some stuff right now. Ask yourself this week, weekly challenge number two, what might God be doing in your life that it might be hard, it might be painful, it might be embarrassing, but God is using it for His will and for your good. What might that be? And you might say, Pastor, I can't see the good right now. That's okay. You don't always see it. Balaam didn't see it until the Lord opened his eyes. So maybe you just need to trust that the Lord loves you and that he is good and that he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And no plan of his can be thwarted. God needs good for your life. God means good for this church. God means good for my life. And we can trust him that he knows what's good. And he knows what's best. Weird things are going to happen. Difficult things are going to happen. Embarrassing things may very well happen. But God can use them to do his will in your life and his will in the world. The truth of the matter is, no matter what we go through in this life, the thing that matters the most, the thing that answers the most questions, the thing that brings us the most healing, the thing that gives us the greatest significance is God himself. And the Bible teaches us very clearly that God will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible teaches us very clearly, read Romans chapter 8, go all the way to the end. The Apostle Paul said, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. It is found in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Jesus. Trust that God is good. And that he has a good plan for you. And open your eyes. To see him and trust him. And when you can't see. Trust him. Keep trusting him. Now if you're here this morning. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is. Those things we sang earlier. Are absolutely true. Without Jesus. We are beggars. You might say, I'm not a beggar. I've got everything I need. No, you don't. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have what you need. You see, the treasures that this world has to offer are like filthy rags in God's sight. 
You might say, well, I, well, I got a Rolex. Well, God invented time. How about that? <laughs> you might say, well, I got a bunch of dollar bills. Word tells us he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything you have belongs to God anyways, and it can be taken in a moment. Without Jesus, you're a beggar, as I was. Without Jesus, you're in bondage. I said, I'm not in bondage. I can do whatever I want. You can't even take a breath without God giving you to. It's the truth of the matter. Job learned that. Just read, read some of Job. Go to the end if you want. It's good. Read the beginning and the end. The middle's, you know, it's good. It's the word of God. But it's a lot of discussion. Read the middle and the end. Or read the beginning and the end. And you'll learn a little bit about how you are without God in your life. Worst of all, we are beggars. We are in bondage. But worst of all, the Bible says, the payment for our sin is death. The Bible says God created us to know him, to love him, to be in relationship with him, to be his royal heirs, his royal descendants. But when we sin, we threw all that away. We rejected God in his ways. And instead of being having an inheritance of royalty, we have a guaranteed judgment of death and separation and punishment for our sins. Because God in his holiness does not tolerate sin. The Bible also says God still loved him. God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. Whosoever, whoever believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting life. Jesus came and he was faithful and we were not faithful. He was obedient and we were not obedient. He was holy and we were not holy. He saw and we did not see he trusted when we did not trust. And then he took our place by dying on the cross, paying a penalty that we deserve to pay. The Bible says that's not the end of the story. That's a pretty cool story that somebody would give their life for you, but that's not the end of the story. The Bible said Jesus demonstrated he had power over death, he had power over the grave, he had power over evil, he had power over sin, Get power over Satan himself by rising from the dead. New life. Appearing to people, talking to people, eating with people, teaching people, and then ascending into heaven to be with the Father. And the Bible says just as Jesus was raised to new life, we too may walk in a new way of life. Your sins can be forgiven, and you can have a new way of life in Jesus so that you can receive a royal inheritance you can be set free from bondage, and you can trust and see that God is good. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of response. I have decided to follow Jesus. Is that right? I always check. I'm always getting nervous. I messed up one time in five years, and I always get nervous about it. I have decided to follow Jesus. If you've decided to follow Jesus, keep trusting him. Keep asking him to help you see. Keep following him. No turning back. If you have not decided to follow Jesus, this day, I want to encourage you to stop following Jesus. As we sing, I'll be standing down here singing with my family. I would love for you to come grab me by the arm and say, Pastor, I need to know how to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I want to be made new. I want to see. I want to be free 
I want to become all who God created and called me to be. Perhaps you need prayer for some other reason. Maybe there, there's some other decision you need to make. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to listen to what God is doing in your life. However God is doing you, maybe you just want to come down here and spend some private time in prayer. Maybe even where you stand as you sing, you're seated, you're cued, you want to spend some time responding to the Lord. All of us should be responding to what God is doing. Perhaps you leave this place this morning and you still have lingering spiritual questions. Don't hesitate to reach out, call, text, email. We want to talk to you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Church, let's be open to listening to the Lord, how he might be working his will out even when it gets kind of weird. Join me now in prayer as we prepare to sing.